Just wanted to share a thought with you. And eight years ago, I had what's called LASIK surgery done. I was tired of contact lenses. I was tired of glasses fogging up. I wanted to, uh, it was a scary thing, but I wanted to get my eyes corrected once and for all. And, uh, and how wonderful it would be to jump in the ocean without having contacts float out of your eyeballs or being blind and can't see the shark coming. So um, I, I made this commitment to have this surgery done. And so um, I, I got to thinking about how that connected to our spiritual vision. We talk about 2020 being perfect vision, and that's what I was shooting for. And it made me think about what clear spiritual vision or, or, or perfect vision is. So a little conversation about why I had my eyes corrected. And um, I'll teach you a little bit about eye surgery. So myopia is nearsightedness. And so what happens is uh, if you look at the normal, it's the very top image there. What happens with perfect vision is, uh, and I, this goes to, Jeff shares with us some things about God's amazing creation and how everything is designed perfectly. And this is another example. This is just one function of the human body. And it's probably one of the most precious senses we have is this sight and how precise it has to be for it to work properly. And so you see where the light is reflected through our lens when it comes in to the front of our eye and it has to hit at that perfect point on that retina at the back for you to have that 2020 vision. So what happens then is in nearsightedness or myopia, that image gets focused in front where the, 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 it becomes blurry and what you cannot see is things far away. All you can see is what's close or closer to you. And so I would suggest to you that you're seeing the short view only. You're not seeing the long view. And then conversely, if you look at what farsightedness is or hyperopia, so now that is going past, the focal point's going past the retina. And so now it makes far objects blurry. All you can see is what's close up and right in front of you. Um, and again, 2020 is that thing that we can see in, in perfect vision. We can see all these clearly. And Jesus talked about this perfect spiritual vision in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 16. Um, he, he talked about eyes that can see, and we're not talking about physical, but it relates to that spiritual vision that he was talking about. And that's what I sort of want to talk about a little bit tonight, just share some thoughts in that regard. Are we really getting it? That, uh, is it in clear focus, the, the bigger picture? And that's what Jesus spoke about. So he's talking here in Matthew chapter 13. He's explaining to the, to the closest disciples what this parable of the four soils means. And when he says, he, he explains it to them, and then he says, blessed are your eyes. The emphasis in this passage should probably be put on your because he's saying, you are blessed for knowing what you know. And 
you can see, because now you've had a thorough explanation of this, of this parable when you understand. You've got perfect vision. You can see the relevance. So I want to share something with you. And this is what's a little unusual, and I hope it comes off like it's supposed to here. I hope it operates, and it's not going to, so I'm going to have to go another direction, I think, maybe. All right, so it's very unfortunate that this... Because it's very impactful. What you have here is um, the, the idea in the video, and some of you might have seen this, and I would have, you know, hoping that you wouldn't blurt it out if you had, but what you have is this, this doctor that, that, that sets this up, and he has two groups of three uh, younger folks passing basketballs around in a circle. Three of them have black shirts, three of them have white shirts. And what he says is, he says, number one, men and women come up with different answers. One's more accurate in this count than the other. He wouldn't share with which gender was, but you're to count how many times in a short video that these passes go from all the people in the white shirts. And so what happens is you get so focused on counting the passes on the white shirt that you miss this guy in a gorilla suit that walks right into the middle of this group of people and does this and walks out. And I will freely admit that the first time I saw this, I did not see the gorilla. I didn't believe that I missed it the first time. And I went back and looked. But the whole point was that we get so locked in on one thing that we miss the big picture. And um, I, I'm, I'm so sorry that we stumbled through and I embarrassed myself up here not being able to share that with you, but hopefully that makes sense and you, you get the point. Um, so we, we get too focused on one thing and that I thought maybe you could consider or might think a little bit more deeply about where your view is and where your vision is and where your focus is. Let's, um, you know, one of the things that I think about this is when we talk about our theme, is my heart right with God? Is my view right? Am I seeing things in the right way in the proper manner? Does my heart hold and express the two greatest commandments? Nearsightedness, let's look at. Uh, objects that are close, that uh, are blurry, or I'm sorry, objects at a distance that are uh, blurry and hard to see. You can't focus and see well. Um, this is a near or short-sighted spiritual view as well, um, and it's called worldliness. I think that is probably the most common type of nearsightedness when it comes to spirituality is, is worldliness. And there's, there are plenty of examples that we can find, and we can start in the Old Testament, and we can start with Israel during the Exodus. And you can see that God gave Israel the, the short view so that he could restore their long view. But Israel quickly got locked into that nearsightedness and could not see the bigger picture or the long view. God brought them out of bondage in Israel. And he brought them out to restore them and make them his people. And getting out of slavery was the short view. 
That was the first step. And once they had that freedom, they started serving themselves. They took the short view. God knew that they had lived this Egyptian life or in this Egyptian culture and among them for 400 years. And about half of that time, about 200 years, they were actually in slavery. And he had to sort of show them a, a different view. He needed to teach them first how to live for God and not for themselves or for, for some other short-term gain. And, and so the law, in some respects, provided the short view. God could have done it some other way, but the actions of the Israelites led to their wandering in the desert for 40 years to make this teaching process even more valuable. It helped them understand who God was. All along the way, they had failures. And, you know, they, 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 God gave them the law, and they couldn't see this long view. They didn't know. They wanted land and prosperity now. I want it now. We got, we're done with slavery. You did what you said you were going to do. What are you waiting on? And, uh, you know, we see where they had manna. They had something to eat. They had something to drink, and they wanted more. They wanted meat. Uh, couldn't see the value. And one thing that I wanted to emphasize, and I've talked about a couple different times in some recent lessons, is that the reality is they had what they needed. And that wasn't enough. But they had what they needed. And ha recognizing that you have what you need, I think, represents the long view and understanding of the long view. You can see in the short view, you have what you need in the immediate, but also the eternal uh, value in that. So here in Isaiah chapter 49, God had promised the Messiah. And the short-sighted value was that this would be the king that leads Israel out of this Roman uh, occupation and... Um, you know, they could be their own again. And we see here in verse 7, this is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and Holy One of Israel, to him who was despised and abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings, you will see, kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. They, they knew about the promise, and they expected it, and, and when it was in front of them, they thought it was an earthly kingdom. The other thing that I find interesting, if you look at verse 6 in this passage, the first seven verses of Isaiah, in verse 6, he specifically mentions that the Gentiles are coming to the party, and somehow they got the message that, that there was a Messiah coming, but somehow they didn't get the message that the Gentiles were going to be included in this new kingdom. Found that interesting. So uh, in Christ's time, we talk about the wealthy young ruler. We know that story pretty well. Matthew chapter 19, I won't read the, the story. Hopefully it's familiar, but what, what does he say? What does the wealthy young ruler say? He says, 
I'm doing the right things. Jesus asked him, and he's, he's, he's checking all the boxes. But he couldn't see the more valuable life ahead of him because he wasn't willing to give up his wealth. The here and now was put too much in focus, nearsightedness, short-sightedness. The question is, is heaven really our goal? We're too hung up on the things right in front of us. Do we put too much emphasis on the acts, on the, the motions? Simon the sorcerer is another example that put things in short view. We see that story in Acts. He saw the opportunity to use the Holy Spirit for earthly gain and thought he had it made. And I, I can't help but think of, um, I'm sorry, but TV evangelists uh, I, I do these types of things. Lazy people that expect the church to support them regardless of what they do or don't do. Uh, people using Christianity just as a way to gain favor, trust, and admiration, maybe for their business purposes or whatever. There are folks um, that do these types of things, and it's that spiritual short-sightedness. It's, it's that uh, nearsightedness that, that creates this type of thinking. Matthew chapter 13, as I mentioned earlier, is the, is the parable of the soils. And it talks about four different types of soils. And the reality is three of them, the first three, they, they're shallow thinking. They're short-sighted views that blur the long view. We can get wrapped up also in the what I would say is the, the sin of the week, right? So... Uh, the current state of affairs. We get all hung up on them. Solomon told us a long time ago that there's nothing new under the sun, but somehow we believe that there's something new for us and that we're going, now we're going to fix it. Um, we have to, uh, we, we react to these things. We have to end abortion. We, we've got to challenge homosexuality. We've got to keep women out of leadership roles in the church. We got to play church perfectly. We get wrapped up in these things in a short-sighted manner. I'm not saying they're not important, but they have to be put in perfect spiritual 2020 vision. Guess what? The Romans had rampant sexuality during the first century when the church was born. There was actually a women's movement in the first century uh, in the in the period of Rome, and yet the church grew in spite of all those things. They didn't get hung up on the things that didn't matter or were in the short run. They looked at the long view. Our past finally can make us nearsighted, and we look at Paul, and we look at the perfect view. Put the past in his perspective. Forget what's in the past and press on. Farsightedness. We see things at a distance clearly, but we can't see what's right in front of us. It, it's blurry. You try to read 
that's what most of us old folks deal with is the uh, close-up gets a little bit tougher and tougher as you try to, to read those. And that, spot, that spiritual malady might be more pervasive than you actually think. Uh, uh, and again, the video would have demonstrated that in, in big form because you're so locked in. Um, but the apostles walked with Jesus and they were taught closely and they could see this kingdom that Jesus talked about. They could see that long view at some point. They knew Jesus was the Messiah, and yet they still thought this was an earthly kingdom. They didn't quite put it together. The kingdom, um, it, was, it was right there in front of them. It was right there in front of them. And in John chapter 4, we have the story about Jesus' encounter with the, the Samaritan woman at the well. And the disciples or the apostles, the ones closest to him, were gone, ran into town to get some food. Uh, he has this encounter with this Samaritan woman. She's gone when they return. There's this conversation about food. Jesus says, yeah, I've got food that you don't know anything about. And this is, this is what they couldn't see. They didn't understand. And Jesus, during that conversation, said, open your eyes and look at the fields right in front of you. They, they, they couldn't see it because they thought they had the long view. They saw this kingdom and all this opportunity and stuff that's going to happen. And they couldn't see the work and the opportunity that was right in front of them. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to understand. You're, you're so focused on all the stuff out here that you're missing the opportunity right in front of you. And so we won't want to be that. I'll also mention to you that isn't it interesting that the woman's response to this conversation to Jesus wasn't to just hold it to herself and be blessed. She went and told everybody she knew immediately didn't wait. Is it possible that we can kind of maintain our own spiritual lives and just overlook the work that's just right in front of us? It, it, it's possible. Luke chapter 16, we see the rich man and Lazarus story, and we're talking about this far sight. We can't see what's right in front of us. What was the rich man guilty of? Now, we could presume that this rich man walked past Lazarus every day. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I think the story is told in fashion that there's one thing for certain. That rich man knew Lazarus was out there at that gate begging. And he knew it for a fact. Uh, and yet he did nothing about it. It was right there in front of him. And he did nothing about it. Let's just assume that he tithed and sacrificed and prayed and did all the other things, but he didn't do the simplest things, the stuff that's right there in front of him. He's, he's looking too far away. Uh, Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 18, we see a, a different telling of the same story. You have the apostles jockeying for position in the kingdom. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at the right? Who's going to sit at the left? Uh, 
they didn't see what was going to happen immediately, and that was that Christ had to die. They, they're, they're looking out far, and they can't see again what's right in front of them. Jesus is telling them, I got to die. And they, they, they just couldn't put it into focus. Couldn't see. One last thought in that regard. Another one that hopefully is obvious is Peter. In, in Acts chapter 10, we see this uh, clarification that the Gentiles, who back in Isaiah we saw, were, were foretold thousands of years before that they would be part of this kingdom. But Peter still hadn't figured this out. He, he thought he had the kingdom and the clear view, and the church had started, and he couldn't see what was right in front of him. And that, that was that the Gentiles were to be part of this kingdom. And so God made it clear to him in Acts. So again, is it possible that we look past an opportunity to serve God because we're looking ahead and we're looking at the long view? looking past obvious blessings that are, that, that are in our hands today um, or what we don't have. Maybe we're focused on what we don't have. But let's not be in that situation where we're nearsighted or farsighted. We want that perfect spiritual vision, that 2020. In Matthew chapter 21 here, uh, here you have sort of a focus in two different directions in the same story. It says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons who went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he said, I will not. But later he changed his mind and he went. Then the father went to the other son and he said the same thing. He answered, I will, but he did not go. Which of the two... Did his father, did what his father wanted, Jesus asked. You, see, you sort of have this back and forth, and, and Jesus points out that the, the, the one that's at least better in this situation is the one that says, no, nah, I'm not going to go. But then I think, frankly, got that vision, could see clearly what was uh, right, and so he responded. How do we, how do we correct our vision? These are the takeaways. Attend to what's relevant. Number one, Jesus' message is what's relevant. It's that simple. The less I listen to God, the more my vision gets blurry. In one view or the other. So attend to what's relevant and what's obvious. Study and keep close to the word. You can't let it go. Number two, inhibit everything else. In Mark chapter 4, again, the, the parable of the four soils, what ends up happening basically in three of these four occasions, we let everything else affect the opportunity to grow and to serve God and to see things clearly because we get focused on too many other things. We have to learn to block those out and inhibit everything. God is number one, and it really has to be. Uh, this lack of faith that we get into, these worries about 
things that are going on in our lives, they just choke out the message that we see here uh, in the parable of the four soils in particular. And so we have to, again, learn to inhibit everything else. And finally, create a working memory. Study every day. Uh, it's hard to forget when God... I, 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 I sometimes wonder if we really connect to the words that we are reading are our Creator speaking to us directly. It, it, he's telling us who He is and what He wants from us. And I think if we look at it in that view and we study that message, it will have a, 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 an incredible amount of impact. Worship as often as you can. Be a part of this assembly. There are times when we can't be together, and sometimes that's difficult. But don't forego that when you have the opportunity. Come together. That helps with that working memory as to why I'm a part of this. And finally, participate in the Lord's Supper, which we're about to do here in a few moments. Jesus said, do this in memory of me to create that working memory, to never forget exactly what it took for you to be free from sin. In conclusion, Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul says, either way, I win. That is perfect spiritual vision. The work's in front of me, and I can do it, even if it's tough and while I'm required, because I can see the long benefit. I can see the long benefit and can't wait for that opportunity to face my Lord and Savior in person, and all this other stuff is behind me. But he held it in perfect view. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Is it possible that maybe we're in too big of a hurry for Christ to return? We want all this work and this stuff and this worry to go away for the long-term benefit. Let's not be in such a rush. Let's embrace it and enjoy it because we know that's the end, but let's not be in a rush. Let's do the work that's right in front of us. And what, what do we say about hindsight? It's 2020, right? Hindsight is 2020. You can look back after an experience and you can say, if I knew now or knew then what I know now, I could have changed the outcome of that situation or that story. It's perfect vision. You look at Luke chapter 16 again and the, and the story about Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, that's an example of having hindsight and knowing I messed up. I missed my opportunity. And he wanted to go back and tell his family, don't make the same mistake I made, and it was too late. If you look at Ecclesiastes and read the last statement in Ecclesiastes, here's a man that it's, it's a good situation because he's got an opportunity to correct potentially bad behavior. And he's looking back on his life and he's saying, I finally figured it out. I have perfect spiritual vision, and here's my advice. Follow God and keep his commandments. It's that simple. And uh, he used that to his advantage. Uh, what do you think Adam and Eve 
was, was thinking in terms of hindsight. Wow. What an amazing mistake. Uh, you see, none of us know when the end will come. But it will come. And we don't want to be stuck in that situation. One last thought in terms of sight, and that's foresight. We actually have it. Uh, we, we talk about, gee, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could look into the future. But we can. When it comes to our life as Christians, we know how this ends. And the angels, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, I believe, Peter talks about this and says the angels and the prophets, they longed to know what you know. That's a big deal. And we can see the future. We know what the future is. And so we deal with the present and we look at it in the terms that Paul would, to live is Christ and to die is gain.